Okay. You know, the, the church in Antioch, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and told them to set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that he had them to do. So they did that, and they laid hands on them and prayed for them to send them out for the work that the Holy Spirit had called them to do. We pastors have been praying a long time, and we've shared with you that Joel was called by the Holy Spirit. He spoke to all of us pastors. We have to be in agreement. He spoke to all of us that Joel was to be the next pastor. So this morning, we're going to do like they did with Paul and Silas. We're going to have him and his wife come up here because they are a team. And we pastors here are going to lay hands upon them, anoint them with oil, and pray over them. And then my wife and Cheryl are going to get up as senior, having been senior pastor's wife, and they're going to lay hands upon Mallory and pray for her. So that's what we're going to do right now. And we want the kids to see this, okay? Okay, come on up here. Okay, no, come on up here. Yeah, come, yeah, all of you, come on, get up here. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to anoint him with some stinky oil. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Joel says, said as long as we didn't let it run down his beard, like Aaron. Okay. Okay, Father, we thank you that you have made it clear to all of us pastors that Joel is to become the lead pastor, the senior pastor, even though he's younger than any of us, he's the senior pastor, he's in that position, and he's Moving into that position because you called him, you called his wife, you made it clear to all of us pastors, and Lord, as we have anointed him with oil just now, and we have laid our hands upon him because that's what we see in the Bible that they've done with for your leaders, and we do that, and we just call upon your Holy Spirit to bless him to anoint him mightily, to anoint his wife mightily, Lord, and they just give them the wisdom to lead us as a body, Lord, and just bless him in his messages that he gives. Lord, we just want your anointing all over him, and we've already seen it. You've already given it to him some, but Lord, we're asking for even more. And so, Lord, we, we hold him up to you, we give him to you, and we uphold him as we pastors gather together, and we uphold him in this. And, Lord, we're asking the body to uphold him, too. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, well, I just wanted to say some things about Mallory and to Mallory and to you guys about Mallory. Mallory is a very strong woman, and she is an overcomer. And I have, I've 
personally seen that she has a deep relationship with Jesus. She hears from the Lord on a regular basis. She is, I've heard her teach in small settings. She is able to teach. She's also, more importantly, very teachable, and she's always looking for others who are modeling Jesus that she can model her life after. And most importantly for her, uh, for you to have confidence in her being ready to be an amazing pastor's wife, she is incredibly humble. She is anchored to Jesus. She knows where her strength comes from, and she knows how to go and get strength from the Lord. In fact, this morning, Mallory, the Lord gave me a picture of my cute little Joel with this white balloon floating up, looking around, seeing all this stuff, and you were holding on to an anchor, and you'd pull him down sometimes. And that's kind of how Mike had to be with me, and pulling him back in because you are so anchored to what is priority and what is important. And um, I just want to say that when I became a pastor's wife, I was eight years older than Mallory is. My children were eight years older. I was not homeschooling my children. I wasn't called outside of the home. She's called as a nurse. She has an amazing calling as a nurse. So she's in a completely different place than I was. And you guys were so gracious to me. Trudy was a really hard act to follow. And you guys knew I wasn't Trudy, and you never put that expectation on me. You let me be me and have my unique giftings and callings. And I'm asking you to do the same for Mallory, to be gracious to her, to let her grow into her own unique giftings and callings, and to know that she's not Trudy and she's not Cheryl, she's Mallory. So now we're going to pray specifically for Mallory, Mom and I are. Lord, I just uh, release to Mallory everything that you've given to me, Lord Jesus. And I ask for a greater anointing, greater giftings, greater insight into who you are and your heart for this body, Lord Jesus. I freely give everything you've given to me. Father, we thank you that you have called Mallory, even when she was a little girl, that you put in her heart, Lord, to come at this time in her life, that she completely surrenders to your will, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that she is a helpmate to Joel. Lord, I thank you that you have called them and bound them together in your love, Lord. And God, they will work together as a team. They will walk the walk that you've called them to walk. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the enabler. You inspire and empower. That you counsel and comfort and help and convict us. So Mallory will walk in the power of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit will flow from her. I ask for an increase of your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control to be the fruits of the Spirit that will flow from her into the body. 
And Lord, that she will walk as that beautiful helpmaker that you told us we as women would be to our husbands. Lord, and in part to her right now, the fulfillment of the calling when she was a little girl. In Jesus' name. Okay, kids, you're dismissed now, and uh, he's starting, and he's going to bring us the word today, and from here on out for a long time, so. Ah, I have 45 minutes. I did not expect that. I guess, did, was there another song for worship? No? Huh. Yeah. I, just, I just didn't expect 45 minutes. That's okay. That's good. Uh, oh, I know we already prayed, but let's pray again. God, we just love you. We adore you. You're, you are so good. You are so loving. It is your very nature, your holiness, your law is pure, written on our hearts, and we delight in it. We love your, your law of liberty, your law of love. We adore your very nature, and we bow the knee to you. We submit to you, God. Be in this place. Be amongst us. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Open our eyes, open our ears, that we would hear, we would see. We would not be blinded by the God of this age. We would not be blinded by Satan and his lies. Let the love of God come forth and take the blinders off of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Do I have power? Was that me? Did I do that? Oh, wow. I up a little higher. Jumping right in. Uh, these three um, different verses, passages I'm going to go over have just been uh, on my heart a lot in this past year. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I can say that I count this year as joy. That I got to meet a trial. The hardest trial I've been through in my life of losing my dad and for this church of losing our pastor. I count it joy that we got to meet this trial. I'm not saying the trial came from God, but I'm saying I obey this verse. And not only have I obeyed it, but the Holy Spirit has empowered us to count this as joy. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Every morning... Dad wasn't healed. I get up and I worship the Lord. Steadfastness. That's what a testing does. 
and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Romans 3, 4. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. I don't rejoice that my dad died. I don't rejoice that he got cancer, but I rejoice in the midst of suffering. Yes, I weep. Yes, I groan. Yes, I hurt. But I choose to rejoice in the midst of suffering because he's always worthy. He is the king. And I bow the knee to him because he's perfect. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. That was quite a 13 months. It's growing now, 14 months. I'm still, it's still difficult. But it produces endurance as we rejoice in it. And endurance produces character. Because we make a choice to follow Jesus every day. We make a choice to look to his goodness every day. We make a choice. I make a choice not to lash out in anger, even though I'm, I'm feeling turmoil inside. I make a choice not to complain. So this endurance, this ongoing thing produces character. The fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's produced as we choose to follow God in the midst of suffering. And character produces hope. I have hope. Hope in too many things, really. I have hope for the future of this church. I have hope, not just a hope, but absolute assurance of where dad is, of where Mary Lou is, of where Pat is, of where so many that have gone on. And our hope is in Jesus, as mom and dad said from the very beginning. Our hope's in Jesus, not in healing. Our hope was always in Jesus, in the greatest will that God has ever desired to accomplish is to make us into his image, yes, here on earth, earth, but then through resurrection life. That is the ultimate will of God, that those who know him would be made like him one day. That's taken longer than I thought. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's part of that cloud of witnesses now. And, and so many, Jim and, and Bev, that we just lost as well. They're part of that cloud of witnesses. And so it says, since we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses, what are we to do since we're surrounded by them? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. It's as if the cloud of witnesses are saying, let go of it. It's not worth it. Why? Because they see him as he is now. They understand his holy ways. They understand that sin was never helpful. They have clarity. And it's as if that cloud of witnesses is saying, lay aside every weight. The sin that entangles you, it's not worth it. Let go of it. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, 
I wanted to talk today about the future of where we're going and kind of lay out some some things and plans that I believe are coming from the Lord. Um, but uh, as I was going over it, I realized I cannot fit this in. <laughs> In one week. And then I called my mom and I was like, what do I do? I'll, I'll have to cut this. And should I cut that? She's like, no, that's good. Don't cut that. And she's like, you're speaking next week too. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll just go until we end and we'll pick up next week. So we'll talk more next week uh, about what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at for a future. And God miraculously got me on track with dad's heart and dad's vision for the future, things that I'd forgot about, and that's a different story that we'll talk about next week, but it's pretty miraculous. But first, I want to share with you some things. Um, I want to share with you how our pastor team operates and how it's operated for years. Uh, Just so you know, our current pastors are Rick and Grandpa, or Dwayne, and uh, Malcolm, and... Ryan, there he is, and Ryan and myself, and um, I don't know who made up the rule, uh, probably grandpa, but there's been a policy amongst us pastors that we do not move forward on a single decision unless there's 100% agreement. Uh, without the Holy Spirit, that's impossible <laughs> for, for us five to have agreement on any decision we come to. I've been on the pastoral staff now for 10 years um, when I started uh, teaching the youth group 10 years ago. They invited me onto the pastor staff to be a part of it. And I am amazed by the culture of honor that my dad created there, and I'm sure grandpa created as well. But a culture of honor and love for one another, love in disagreements. Uh, I've never really in the 10 years seen a heated time where anybody got upset. Like we could have disagreements and then somebody's cracking a joke the next minute. And, uh, and we dig into the word. The word is our foundation, but you know, the word apart from the Holy spirit equals nada, right? The, 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 the many of the scribes and leaders in the days of Jesus, they studied the scripture sometimes eight hours a day and they missed the Messiah. It was prophesied clearly in the scriptures. Why? Because you have to have the Holy Spirit combined with it. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, and some of you probably know people who can quote scripture up and down, and they don't walk the walk. They don't live it out. They still, uh, and you find them to be some of the most annoying and hypocritical people, right? (laughs) We all know somebody like that. Because you need the Holy Spirit as well. And so that's always been our theory is that if we if the word is our foundation and the holy spirit is in our lives then eventually we will come to agreement on a decision it it has to happen because the word's our foundation and the holy spirit's inside of us and i'm just amazed to see you know sometimes like traditions we just realize you know what this might not be of god it's a neat tradition let's talk about why and then we'd all come to a new decision based on scripture and and the Holy Spirit. And I sometimes, you know, it would take a month, sometimes it would take two months, sometimes it would be right there in that meeting. But it has been an amazing thing 
to watch. It's been one of the greatest honors of my life to be a part of that. Um, I want to let you know that uh, Grandpa and Grandma have put up their house for sale. Um, it, when it sells, they're going to be heading to Colorado, and we bless them in it, and I'm sure the body blesses them in it as well. And um, Malcolm is just not sure what the future holds for him. There he is. Just not sure um, what's going to happen, but he could be moving as well. We just don't know. Um, that being said, uh, my mom is going to continue to function as she has always been functioning. Obviously, she's not a pastor's wife anymore, but she will be still our ministry facilitator. She has done so much in this church and led so many things in this church. And she's going to continue to operate in that. She's also going to come alongside me and help me with a lot of the administrative side of things because I'm really bad at that. Um, And also, we've invited her to join us in our pastor's meetings to give advice and input because it's so valuable to us. You know, when I, when I came to those first pastor's meetings, I, I was arrogant and proud. <laughs> yes, I was a lover of God. Yes, he's, he's inside of me. We, we can have issues. We can have flaws. Let me tell you, from the time I was 16, I knew I had pride in my heart, and I didn't know how to break it. That's another story. I've told that before. I fought it for years, but I always acknowledged it. We all know there's a difference between straight up justifying our sins and acknowledging our sins before God and crying out for mercy day by day until freedom comes, right? Big difference there. One says the Holy Spirit's inside of you. One says, "Eh." (laughs) if you're justifying sin, uh, work out that salvation there with fear and trembling. Because that's a dangerous place to be in. That's, that's gospel 101. You come to him. You don't justify your sins. You lay it before him. You line up with what scripture says is sin. I line up with it. I say, I agree with you, God. Now fix me. <laughs> right? We, you can't fix yourself. You can't. You need the Holy Spirit to fix you. If you try to fix yourself and you accomplish it, then you just become prideful and arrogant. And you look down on others. Why couldn't you figure it out? Why? Because you're taking all the credit for it. That's a whole nother sermon. I don't know where I'm going here. Oh, <laughs> but, um, you know, there were times I'd be sitting in those pastor's meetings, and I'm like, I've got it figured out. Like, oh, that's tradition, or oh, that's not even true. And then, But I kept my mouth shut about it and just it enjoyed the honor that was in that place and the wealth of knowledge. And slowly through the years, I got put in my place over and over just in my spirit, like, oh my gosh, he's right on that. I'm the one who's wrong. I didn't know scripture well enough, but there it is, clear as day. Or, 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 oh my goodness, it doesn't really matter, this minor thing that I think is so important. Like, unity is not conformity. We have a solid core unity in Christ and him crucified. And those main doctrines of the faith that are vital and important— That is unity, what binds us together. There's other little tiny things that we can disagree on, and that's perfectly okay. And we're not in alignment with every single one of those tiny things, and that's perfectly fine, but we are in unity. Make sense? God doesn't want a bunch of robots that just say and think the exact same thing, but those core tenets is what binds us as believers all across uh, the globe. 
Um, but, you know, I, I told God, I think if this was three years ago, I would have said, I'm ready. And God has humbled me up. Today I say, I'm not ready. And as I'm expressing this to God, and just telling him, God, I'm not ready. I believe he said to me, that's why you are ready. Because only in the acknowledgement of that humility that says, I cannot do this. I've told God, if you don't breathe on this message, it's nothing. It's void. If the Holy Spirit is not calling me, if the Holy Spirit is not on me, I'll profit nothing. Uh, It just kind of got off track, but it was fun anyways, huh? Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Uh, Psalms 133, 1-2. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. Thanks for not doing that today. On the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. The, the, the oil represented the anointing. And Aaron had a heavy anointing. A glorious anointing on behalf of, you know, millions to go before the throne of God and make atonement for the entire nation. And it's saying, when brothers dwell in unity, and I'm not saying that just as the pastors have modeled it, this body dwells in unity. Yeah, we we can have issues here and there like we all can, but this body is united and a beautiful thing. And David says, it's like anointing being poured out. That's what unity is. It, it beckons the anointing of God to come when we dwell in unity. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment to vow some things to you guys on this day. Um, this is a hard day for me. I'm getting ahead of my notes. I was about to go on a little tirade of why it's a hard day, but let me just uh, say some some vows to you. I, I vow to obey God before man by the process of the clear testimony of Scripture, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and the multitude of counselors. I will not push aside your thoughts and concerns. I will bring them up amongst the multitude of counselors with Scripture, with the Holy Spirit, obeying God in everything, I'll try. I'll be humble before you guys as my dad was. He was not afraid to share his his failings, his shortcomings, places where he messed up, and I will not be afraid to share that either. Uh, rest assured, there's no like hidden evil blatant sin in my life that I'm hiding from you guys. But simply the day in and day out, we struggle sometimes, right? We fail. Uh, can any of us say we're walking just like Jesus? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard thing to say. Uh, but that's what we're called to. And so I vow to be humble for you guys and to share my failings when it's appropriate for building up the body of Christ. 
But let me say something here now. This church belongs to Jesus. I'm now the lead pastor of this church, not just in title, but function. It's, it's a function. But this church belongs to him. And we all run this church. All of us. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So it's saying, my foot is part of my body. It, it, this is the whole package. <laughs> this is the body of Joel. And my hand is part of my body. And my back is part of my body. And my booty is part of my body. <laughs> it's all one package. And it's saying, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Jumping down to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And that's what I want to say to every person in this room. You are indispensable. Not just to God, but to my heart. You're indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And that's what I want to say to you right now. I bestow the greater honor. God has called me to a position where I'm up here speaking, where I'm a voice for the heartbeat of God for this church. (laughs) That's an intense thing. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But God has called me to it. And I want to bestow honor on the parts that seem less honorable. Like TK said last week, if you're washing toilets, are you doing it for the Lord? Then you are valuable. You are indispensable. And our unpresentable parts we treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, and I'm reading this last time, I'm like, really? But God so composed the body, speaking of of the body of Christ, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You see, I will naturally, and and that's okay, I will naturally receive more praise and honor from people simply because of my position and calling. But this is saying God so composed the body that he's going to be giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. I believe for those who do so many things behind the scenes, servant's heart, uh, builders, uh, the one washing the toilet, the, the one, if you're doing it wholeheartedly as unto God, there is going to be a celebration of honor for you. One day, God will make it known before all that he saw your heart and he saw you doing something selflessly without seeking honor. Not that I'm seeking honor, I'm just saying it will come naturally in this position along with hate. (laughs) 
that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I love this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I've seen that on display here. As our family has suffered, we have all suffered together. And as we rejoice for all the promises of God, we've all been rejoicing together. Mom, you want to share that word right now? It's just fitting. You don't have to. You don't want to. It just fits. Uh, I just was praying for God for something for the body, as Joel had asked us to do, some of us. And I saw um, two paths across from one another, and there was a large space between the paths. And one of the paths went through a bunch of dead, dry trees, and it was filled with sorrow and pain and heaviness and darkness. And the other path was through bright, colorful trees bearing all kinds of fruits and blossoms. And it was filled with new life, energy, fun, freedom, and almost an overwhelming light. Like it was almost unreal, too bright. Some people were torn between the two paths and going back and forth from one to the other, but always feeling torn. And Others were choosing one path and almost denying the existence of the other, not even seeing the other path. And as I walked along this gap in the middle of the path and moved forward, I saw that both paths came together into an area that was full of both types of trees. They were all intermingled together. And there there was no more of the turmoil of the feeling torn, and I noticed a peace and a a really deep, abiding joy that I hadn't noticed along either of the separate paths. And then I saw Jesus kind of peeking out playfully from one of the really brightly colored trees and beckoning, uh, like in a playful way, to come to him. And then all of a sudden I looked, and he popped out from behind one of the dark dead trees, and he was beckoning in a different way, like to come in for comfort and to come in for rest. And I felt that the Lord was saying that he is in both the sorrow and the joy, and that we don't have to choose between the two or be torn between the two. When darkness comes, there's nothing for us to fear because he is the Lord of the darkness, and he always brings light into the darkness. And he reminded me of something that I shared about two months ago, uh, Psalm 23, how God's mercy is chasing us everywhere we go. And it's, his abundant life is available in every situation, uh, even as we head into death. So I'm just going to read that psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is from the NIV. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, 
I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I feel like moving forward, that's what Joel asked us to seek the Lord about, moving forward as a church. You know, I feel like Mike led us down that path. He truly walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and he didn't fear evil, and he, re- he was rejoicing in the Lord and honoring the Lord through it all. And one of the things he had said from the pulpit is, I don't want anything I'm going through to be in vain. So moving forward, let's not let this amazing life lesson that he lived before us be in vain, but let's continue to walk that way, recognizing that our lives are going to be intermingled with sorrow and joy, but Jesus and the abundant life is in the midst of all of it. Let's pray into that really quick. God, I just, I do ask that you would, God, you need to take us by the hand. It's been a whirlwind of emotion up and down um, for many of us. And God, I pray that that word would come into existence for every one of us, that we would find a way to be in the midst of joy and suffering at the same time, and we'd be okay with it. We wouldn't deny the existence of suffering and just try to make it all joy, and we wouldn't deny the existence of joy and just say, oh, poor us, we're in the midst of suffering, but we would combine these together and walk them out as you've called us, as David so beautifully put it. That he's, he's at peace, he's, he's, he's lying down at the stream, and yet he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and you're still with him. It's both. We thank you for it, Lord. Uh, Mark Blackstone had a word about, uh, I don't know, like four or five months ago. He says, I was thinking about the 72-hour prayer for Pastor Mike. I got the sense that what I was thinking was not just about me, so I began to pray for him. And he'd only shared this word with me, but it really went along with uh, this word that mom got. I was praying and saying, let me stand in the gap for him. And I got a picture, the one uh, that's in the photograph. I don't know what photograph that is. Uh, (laughs) I was holding the bad while pulling the good into more prominent power. And he, he saw it as percentages. He saw like, it was like 50-50 and he's pulling on him and then he saw that it went up to 42% on the joyful side and 48% on the sorrow side. And he said true intercession was tipping the scales towards, um, uh, or sorry, away from relief and suffering. It was not about taking his suffering on my body personally, but causing a change through intercession, intercession and prayer. And I just thought uh, such a unique picture that, Sometimes we try to paint a picture of walking with God like it's 100% joy. It's like, no, of course there's going to be pain. Of course there's going to be suffering. I remember an entire message where dad just went through all the things about we're promised we're going to have trials. We're promised you're going to suffer. You're promised you're going to be hated. You're promised that terrible things are going to happen. 
We have all these promises, and they go hand in hand. But I can truly say in the midst of all this sorrow that the joy has outweighed the sorrow. I'd say by far. Get back to my notes here. Said that. Said that. Sorry. In the kingdom, remember we were talking about our value. In the kingdom, as far as your value goes, we are all equal in him. Uh, As far as salvation goes, it's no respecter of persons. But we can all have different callings, and that's okay. But let's look at this one here. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of, uh, of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is, neither, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now we recognize there's distinctions between males and females, slave or free, Jew or Greek. There are clear distinctions, but it's saying in Christ, we all have the same value, meaning you are all children of God and you are all saved by his grace so that nobody can look down on anyone else, right? We're all saved and standing here by the blood of Jesus. That's it. So I'm not standing here today because I wanted to stand here today. I'm standing here today because God called me. I'm not standing here because I deserve to stand here today. I'm standing here because of the call of God. All glory is given to him. He is the one who chooses our calling. He is the one who chooses our place. If we're yielding to him, right? We understand that. Of course, we're, we're working with him. We must yield to him. If we don't yield to him, then he says, you know, I desire that, uh, that none should perish, but all should uh, turn and repent. Does everybody turn and repent? No. So that desire of God is not taking place. Why? Because he gave us a free choice. But as we yield to him, it is still his calling. So I'm not standing here because I want to. I did not want to stand here today. I wanted to stand here five years from now when dad retired. I did not want to be here today, but the call of God is on me. That's why I'm here. And I, along with that calling, has come the desire to do it. Along with that calling has come, listen, I hate confrontation. And I don't know if you've read that Bible, but it talks about certain things that the overseers and elders have to do. And it involves confrontation at times. (laughs) I hate confrontation. I hate it. Uh, But because the calling is on my life, I haven't learned to love it. I don't know if I ever will, but I've learned that it is the call and I obey it, and I've seen wonderful fruit out of it. I've seen wonderful fruit out of confronting people on certain things. Oh, but I I was going to say earlier in in my vow, I don't know how I got distracted, but I I vow to love you guys. To the best of my ability, I vow to love God and to love others to the best of my ability. And I vow to love you as Christ has loved me. That's a lot of love, because as I said, I I don't deserve to be here. I'm saved by his grace. I'm saved by his blood. 
I don't deserve heaven, but he's chosen to give it to me freely. And so freely, I pour out grace and love to everyone here. Uh, But as I was saying, I wouldn't wish this on every person. Why this call? Because that's not my birth. That's why. James 3.1, is that in there? Did I miss it? If not, I'll just read it. Okay. Um, But I, thank you, you're amazing. Uh, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, well, that's a happy verse for me. Thanks, Lord. (laughs) And that is what comes along with humility that says, God, I'm not ready for this. You must walk beside me. Holy Spirit must be with me because it's according to your call. Listen, I love the call that's on uh, Jill Hood's life, but it's not for me. That kind of stuff that she's able to do drives me nuts. I wouldn't be able to do it. (laughs) We all have a different calling and a different place. And it's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. Now, listen to me. And listen to dad, because I got it straight from him. Don't get caught up in what's my calling? What's my specific calling? What's my place in the church? As if you can't be happy or in right standing with God if you haven't found that specific position. Love God and love others. If you do that, you are in the perfect will of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be added unto you. You do not need to worry about what is your calling. You seek him first, loving him and loving others. If you're doing that, you are in the exact will and calling of God. That is his will. That is his desire that we would be like him in loving God, loving others. That's it. You are in his calling. And as you pursue that, he may show you a specific position, or he may not. And that's perfectly fine. But are you loving God, and are you loving others? Then you are in his calling. I remember once, it's about five years into teaching youth group, and I was ending every youth group night frustrated. I would just go in my car and be like, God, it's not me. I thought this was for me. It's not. I can't do this. They're not responding to worship. They're not responding to the to the to the message of the gospel. They're not, uh, they're not responding to conviction of sin. And I'm just like, God, I don't want to do this. Where's the power? Where's the anointing? I'm not called. I don't know if I'm called to this. Speak to me. And this went on f- for months. This is usually how it is for things. I just, I keep bringing up the same thing over and over till I get an answer. And one night as I got in my car frustrated again, I would leave with just this icky feeling every time of frustration. And I felt like God said, can you just love them and not worry about anything else? Can you do that? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I can love them. And he said, that's it then. That's your job. You don't worry about a single thing. You love them. And you love them well. And it changed my entire perspective on every night. And I thought, Lord, if I'm in love with these kids, I shouldn't end up in my car frustrated. I should end up overjoyed that I got to spend time with people I love. 
And so every time I'd be in my car, I'd just be rejoicing. Thank you, God, that I got to hug these kids. Thank you, God, that many see me as a father figure. Thank you, God, that I got to teach them your word, regardless of how they responded, that I got to demonstrate to them unconditional love. And I would just thank him that I love these kids. I adore them. I'm happy to see their faces every time, and I'm sad when one of them's not there. I love them, and it changed my entire perspective going forward. And that's what I'm saying. That's where I found my call, in the command to love others. Not in the calling of the title of youth pastor, but in the calling of the first command, to love God and love others. That is where we find our calling. Ah, five minutes. We're going to go through this. This is the hardest part. Okay. This is the part where I'm going to step on some toes, and some of you are going to disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. We can disagree. <laughs> I, 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 I spoke a message on the sovereignty of God about four months ago. You can go and look that up if you want to, to get more detail on why I believe this way. I am telling you my belief on the chain of events of why dad got sick and why he died because uh it it pains me to see presumption sometimes where people presume that they know exactly why my dad died they know it and one of them is that they know it's the will of god they know it was the will of god i disagree with you cordially i don't believe it was the will of god I and as I'm going to speak about next week, God miraculously, miraculously, I had no vision, no vision for moving forward. I was just like, God, I'm lost. I'm, I'm, I'm just lost, <laughs> drowned in water. I don't have any vision. And He miraculously sent me to a message to listen to by my dad. And well, before that, He started giving me vision, and it was all like I was laying it out and started putting. It. I was like, This is fantastic. And then I listened to that message by my dad and realized it was everything on his heart that he spoke. And I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. What, what was I going with? Oh, yeah. I don't know why my dad got cancer. But everything good comes from the Father. Sometimes we forget it. there's this dude named Satan, and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. My default is when I see killing, stealing, destroying, I attribute that to Satan. That makes logical sense. When I see good things happen, I attribute that to God because he's demonstrated that's his nature. And I don't think any of us would argue that if dad was there at the time of Jesus and came to him for healing, Jesus would have healed him. Do you agree? He healed all who came to him. That's what the scripture says. He healed all who came to him. So I know it is his desire to heal all who come to him. Why could that not happen? I don't know. But there are other spiritual battles going on that we do not have full insight into. This is, this is what happened to Job's friends. They all presumed to know exactly why Job was sick. And none of them figured it out. None of them got the narrative right. We got to see that narrative of what took place in the heavenlies, but none of them figured it out. And I'm saying, we're not going to figure it out. And that's okay. We get up, we worship the king where we're at, what we've been through, we still choose to worship the king. And I choose to say, God is good. The devil is bad. And I believe that this sickness 
is attributed to oppression of the enemy, however you want to look at it, because of the fall of mankind, sickness is allowed to touch anyone. We are not, uh, we are not exempt from sickness as believers until heaven. We're not. But we are exempt from the enemy being able to touch our spirit. Only we can give that over to the enemy. Only we can step out of our salvation. Only we can choose to sin. The enemy cannot touch that. So I am okay saying this. We lost the battle for my dad's life. And that's okay. Let me tell you about the battles we won. The battle for my dad's joy was won. A huge victory. The battle for him demonstrating to us how to die well, victory. The battle for his resurrected body, victory again. And the way we stick it to the enemy is that we pick up the same call, is that we pick up his cry for revival and we say, enemy, you didn't do a thing to divert the call for revival that was on his life. And the way we stick it to the enemy is that he still sees us serving God with all of our hearts. And we say, enemy, it doesn't matter what you do, what takes place. I worship my king. It infuriates him more than anything. It infuriates him more than anything. Even if your emotions are up and down and you don't understand and you're crying, that's okay. But if you come to God, the enemy's ticked off. My dad used to always say, sorrow is either going to draw you away from God or it's going to push you near to God. Well, I choose, I'm going to push near to God. So I see one battle lost. I see hundreds of victories rising up. You can disagree with me. That's my belief on what happened. (laughs) We're we're not going to get into that. We'll get into that next week. Next week, I'm really just going to talk about what I see moving forward, some visions that were near and dear to dad's heart that were on his heart uh, that God showed me as well, just kind of miraculously one night at work. And um, and we're just going to talk about that moving forward. Sorry that I rambled some today. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the hundreds of victories that rose up. We thank you for the life that dad demonstrated of living well, dying well. We thank you for this place that we are in right now as this body. I am proud of you guys. I am proud of this body. I'm proud to call you family. God, I thank you that we are a family. I thank you that when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one suffers, we all suffer. I thank you for the love that I feel from this family and the love they feel from me. God, we thank you for the amazing work and foundation that was set by grandpa and grandma and and mom and dad and everyone of their generation that was here with them. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.